Hello, I'm Dr. Amalia Gondas Malka. Welcome to Womanity Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates women's milestone achievements in their struggle for liberation, self emancipation, human rights, democracy, and much more. Joining us today is Joanne Donovard, who is the Ambassador of the Kingdom of the Netherlands to South Africa. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. Thank you. Ambassador, you joined the Ministry of Foreign Affairs way back in 1993. Your career has taken you to different countries across the globe. Prior to this position, you served as ambassador in South Korea, and before that, as ambassador to Sri Lanka. First of all, what attracted you to foreign affairs? Uh, I think, first of all, it was really the traveling to discover new countries. And this was a way of, I mean, I already worked as a landscape architect and I loved the traveling. And this looked like a very nice way of going around the world and making a career at the meantime, at the same time. So uh, living in a country for several years, trying to understand, uh, see the countryside, but also to try to, to work with the people. Yeah, I, I thought it would be a great option. And if I don't like it, I can always go back to being a landscape architect but I never had to go back because I really like what I'm doing here. And the transition between landscape architect and a career in, in diplomacy, how did you do that bridge? Um, because the Ministry of Foreign Affairs is also dealing with foreign trade and, and international cooperation. I also have a grade in uh, tropical forestry. So um, it, it was related in that sense. So it, it made sense to, to apply. And uh, yeah, so I had an atypical background because usually it's lawyers, historians and all that. But also foreign affairs in the Netherlands tries to be a reflection of the Dutch society. And we are a very mixed society and we have doctors, landscape architects, historians, lawyers. It's, it's all part of our diplomats that go all over the world and represent the Netherlands. It must bring in a, a very nice set of nuances and diversity because you're absolutely right. A lot of the people I speak to have either got a career in economics or trade. Yeah, that's true. So uh, so you bring your own topics that always, I mean, you have a wide range of topics that you deal with uh, working as a diplomat all over the world and also in The Hague. Uh, but you always have your own topic that, that, that rings a bell or that makes you opening up your ears even even further. And and for me, that's the environment, it's the green um, and, and the people. Ambassador, one of the things that I've noticed as a trend in, say, the last 10 years or so is that there's often high job mobility. So people will move from one job in the same industry or, or change careers completely. In your opinion, do you think that the frequent rotations to different postings stimulates an element of, of novelty, which then comes through as change so that people can work in an organization for 30 years, as you've done? I think I mean, you, you move around the world. Indeed, usually your posting is four or five years. But you see, I mean, when you start your career, you have several topics. You deal with economic or trade or with the environment, climate change, human rights. So the countries where you're based, you usually have a specific topic that you really are uh, diving into and trying to understand and, and to cooperate on. And that makes it different because, I mean, I worked in Mexico, in, in Sri Lanka, everywhere. And being ambassador, it all comes together. And that makes it nice at the end of your career to to have all these facets that you've been through, to that it comes together. And four years is a nice period because you really 
when you're four years in a country, you really feel very much connected. Staying longer, it makes it even more difficult to to leave the country behind. So usually we are four years and you get every four years, you get faster into your your network. You know, at a certain moment where you have to, to invest in, uh, usually you try to meet a lot of people the first three months and then you pick, okay, these people are useful for my future contact. Uh, so you throw out the net very wide uh, and a certain moment after being in this rotation phase, you that takes less longer. I mean, you know, you know, well, it's, it's every country is, is different again, but you get some kind of experience and knowledge of people, I guess. Yeah. But it, it's never dull. It's, let me assure you. Oh, I, I can imagine. And as you said earlier, that this was part of the reason that attracted you to foreign affairs was being able to travel and immerse yourself into these different cultures. What are some of the things that you do to help fast track you into developing your network? And I ask this from two points. One, because we know that networking is often a weakness for many women. And two, given the job and the nature of your work that you do, you have to immerse yourself as quickly as possible to get on with the job. Mm -hmm. So um, when you know, when you get the news, you will go to that country and that's your task. Well, in the meantime, you're still in the country that you were based. So you also have to do your normal work. But usually we'll try to, to start reading, uh, trying to meet people who have lived there or worked there. And then usually in between, you go to the Netherlands and you try to set up meetings with think tanks, with people who have the latest information um, to, to try to get already some as much as possible um, about the country. And that also, you know, when I have questions, I can go there again or I can I know where to find more information uh, but also you try to oh that's the next phase trying to, to learn a language okay South Africa has 12 languages so I have to see which one I have to but usually that that also helps to understand uh, well this country is okay because a lot of people speak English like in Korea that was a challenge uh, those four years is really for me to try to see what to understand that you that you know how the country will react if something happens in the world or where it comes from. And, and yeah, you get four years, or you should do that in less, to understand people. So it's really to go local, to try to, in South Korea, I would go without that. They knew that you were the ambassador because people get them very formal and they, they get shy. Or So uh, a language teacher is very helpful. Other women, I mean, they really can teach you a lot about what's going on, female professors, uh, but also shopkeeper or your hairdresser or all levels give you this information, this invite information about the food, about traditions, about big events coming up. Yeah, it's just being very receptive and, and going out, not stay in your office, don't stay in your residence, go. And uh, you have a lot of people in your office who do a lot of work in all the administration, but your task as an ambassador is to go and listen and, 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 and engage. It sounds like a really, really exciting job to be in. It is. It, it sure is, yes. Can you reflect on a couple of significant milestones in your career so far? Um, there have been, well, I mean, the royal visit last month was, of course, the highest. How high can you get it? Um, your king and queen in your residence. Um, that's very special. Uh, of course, you get, as an ambassador, we meet every year 
we have the ambassadors conference in the Hague, and then usually there's a meeting with the king and the queen, all the ambassadors together, and you get a handshake and you a brief introduction, a brief. But right now I had them for three days. Uh, that was great. It was really great to uh, to have them together with four ministers. So that was definitely a milestone. But there were also in um, um, looking back um, in Sri Lanka to promote riding on your bike. So I promoted together with a mayor in Colombo, a female mayor, the capital in Colombo, um, um, Car Free Sunday, how we could promote that, how we could do that as women, women together so that you could go with your family on the big streets in the capital and then Sunday morning there would be no cars, it would be safe for the children and actually to, to achieve that and to that, that really gave me a lot, uh, yeah these kind of things that you can reach that and then they can take it on, but you can show them these things are possible if you gather the people together and, and have the noses all in the same direction, or have you the same ambition that, that really helps. But these things are possible if you just work together. And that was an example that I could feel, okay, there I could uh, accomplish something together with them. And um, yeah, again, COVID times in Korea was, of course, very stressful being that far away from home, from your family. But then also you have to work with the community that's there. Nobody could receive the family or friends or whatever. So we were stuck together also as diplomats. And that really created some very um, warm friendships that usually you don't have. So that was a special period as well as a diplomat being far from home. And I think everybody would... It's not only for diplomats, it would be also for, for other students being far from home that you really have to to deal with it with the people you have around you and that, that, that creates very uh, strong bonding. Um, and then that, that's also helpful later on in your uh, career or in your work to have these, these links or these connections. Uh, yeah. So that was also strong. Yeah, I think these were some, some highlights. Of course, I had the terror... Attacks, the Easter attacks in Sri Lanka, that was very tough. Um, the tsunami, I mean, I, I, yeah, being around goes a long way. We had the MH17, the, the plane that was downed by Russia and the Ukraine at that time. Uh, I was then part of the crisis team in The Hague. So, I mean, you go abroad, but you also go back to The Hague for a couple of years. And that was very intense as well. Yeah, so there, there have been some... Uh, very intense moments in your career that you you try to make a difference. Yeah, and you've raised the point that it's not all roses and nice things. There are okay. challenges as well as um, some of the the more exciting campaigns that that you run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's certainly true. Mm-hmm. You're listening to Womanity, Woman in Unity, and today we're talking to Ambassador Joanne Donovard, who is the Ambassador of the Kingdom of the Netherlands to South Africa. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. On the notion of campaigns, I, I know that one of the initiatives that you have running in South Africa is Co-Create SANL as an initiative which captures the essence of modern foreign diplomacy, building relationships, putting demand at the core of discussions, and focusing on long-term commitments and partnerships. Co-creation, I always think, is, is such a powerful concept of innovation. Can you share some of the tangible outcomes that have been derived out of this initiative? Uh, yeah, so it's really... Um... 
co-create South African Netherlands is really about um, its initiative of the Netherlands here in South Africa. Um, and we see it as a, a modern way of, of modern foreign diplomacy. So it's building relationships, putting demand at the core of our discussions and, and focusing on long-term commitments and partnerships. And it, it really stimulates the cooperation between our two countries based on the belief that if we work together, we can make a difference and we can co-create solutions and especially for, for, for local challenges. So we had co-create my city, that's still a biennial event uh, which aims to bring together the sharpest minds from both South Africa and the Netherlands together to come up with fresh ideas and to exchange knowledge and share lessons learned um, with the aim of developing joint solutions for our shared urban challenges. So that's every two years happening. And this year, the Co-Create My City conference focused on urban water challenges. You know, the Netherlands, we, we have a lot of water challenges in the Netherlands. And uh, there we, we brought together 140 Dutch and Southern African water professionals. And that led to new partnerships on, on water resilience, how to cope, especially with climate change. A lot of challenges are coming up. And um, I think um, there's also a, a team working on the uh, to reduce the risk of flooding in Durban. So it, it really comes out with, with very concrete uh, ideas. So that's co-create my city. Then we have co-create identity um, that seeks to open meaningful dialogues around questions of identity and transformation in the context of our country's shared cultural heritage. Uh, and then we explore who we are today and how that relates to our past. So we learn from our Southern African counterparts. We try to, to open up, to hear their concerns, to, to share historical facts. And, and we look to create impactful, inspiring and meaningful dialogues that contribute to the ongoing conservation in the Netherlands and worldwide about our colonial past. Um, and that's something that's recent years and that's something that will continue to, to do here. And that also happened during our state visit. My king and queen engaged in conversations and that's something that the embassy will take forward. But it's also co-create identity. So that's something that we both share and we, we try to take it forward from there. Identity is something which I used to think was fairly fixed, but now I've come to realize it is actually very fluid and it changes according to environment. It changes according to exchanges that you have with different people. And in a way, it's it's a beautiful thing of growth. It is. It is. And to engage people, young people, elderly people, people, elderly people who bring their history, historical knowledge, the young people who share their challenges and their ambitions and to see how things can connect together, also for a better understanding, and also to see how things we share, and that and to and together to come up with solutions how we could bring it forward and how we can take it forward. So it's it's a very strong concept, but it's it's really about opening up to the other, uh, to to listen to each other. In today's world, we've got yeah, multi-generations living together but also because we can travel so easily that we've got mm. different cultures from different countries operating together yeah 
Yeah. And, and, and nowadays, because in the Netherlands, we have so many cultures living in the Netherlands. The Netherlands is so much different than it used to be like 30 years ago. Um, with all their religions and cultures and traditions and, and their background and their cultural heritage uh, and the children that come forward and that go to Dutch schools and, and, and to to understand each other. Where do you come from? Where will we go together? Because, I mean, it's not the Netherlands like it used to be and it will never... I mean, we are the new and we... And, and I think because of that, we are stronger together because it makes us very rich in experiences. It... Uh, rich in culture, rich in innovation, very rich in in in, in, in the way we we approach solutions and, and problems. Um, yeah, I think it it, it enriches a country to mm. to incorporate all these ideas. Yeah. So co-create is a very powerful umbrella. Another element that the Netherlands is is well known for is human rights. And I read that every year you invest approximately 4.5 billion euros to promote human rights. And in the South African context, you have a particular emphasis on promoting women's rights. Can you tell us about some of the gender equality initiatives that you have in the market? Uh, yes, uh, I think here in South Africa, we, we partner with the South African government, but also with non-governmental organizations. We try to focus really on equal rights for women and LGBTI, but we also engage on other human rights topics. And, and through our human rights fund, I mean, you mentioned 4.5 million euros, 500,000 euros is going to South Africa. And we really aim to achieve gender equality on several topics like eliminating violence against women and girls. We try to, to work together to promote the protection of women human rights defenders, um, to promote economic empowerment, because if you empower the women, if they have their own income, they can take their own decision that they're less vulnerable to violence that's coming their way, to increase women's leadership and participation in political decision-making. These are things that we do worldwide, but also specifically here in South Africa and to strengthen the women's role in conflict resolution and peace building. Because you see, if, if women are part of the solution, if they work together, that solution is much more sustainable. It will work much longer than if they are excluded of the, the peace process. But to get them to the table, to get them involved, to make them stand up, uh, to encourage them to take that role, um, there we work together with the, the local NGOs, to see how we can reinforce that. So here we work with the Desmond and Le Tutu Legacy Foundation. We work with uh, the Social Change Assistance Trust. Uh, and then we, we address uh, gender-based violence. So I've seen the example right now in Langa Township in, in Cape Town, how we work together there. And it, it was very strong to see how the women connect um, when things the government doesn't step in or uh, are not enough how does this solidarity among the women and the girls to bolster their um, resilience, to, to stand up, to protect each other, to lift each other through dance, to... It was very uh, heartwarming to see how they hold each other. And, um, and, and it was very great that we could support these kind of initiatives and to, to help them, I mean, they, to help themselves and how strongly they, they feel about that. Um, the other one is indeed uh, the human uh, rights defenders. 
the women human rights defenders because they are subjected to greater threats and violence as a result of social and cultural norms. So even more than 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 a male would. I mean, human rights defenders always have a difficult role, but I mean, women human rights defenders are even more vulnerable. So we help to um, to assist them and uh, to stand up. Uh, and here we are um, supporting the Southern African Human Rights Defense Network uh, here in South Africa. And then we also have a partnership with the Risa Bobuyile, where we help to um, support access to primary health care in the township communities with a very special emphasis on mother and child care, dental health, but also HIV and AIDS services uh, for women. Uh, we help to decrease child mortality um, and, and other, especially family planning as well. Also, uh, sexual reproductive health is one of the focus areas worldwide. And what I mentioned, women empowerment, uh, giving them education to help them to start small enterprise. Because we've seen that if they are financially independent they become less prone to domestic violence. They, they stand up, they, they, they have their own way of income, so they're not dependent on the man. Then we're also supporting the Center for Human Rights at the University of Pretoria, and where we helped promote equal rights and eliminating violence against the LGBTI people in Africa. Uh, we have supported the establishment of an LGBTI unit at the Center for Human Rights, where um, the Center for Human Rights provides training for LGBTI organizations and civil servants from Africa. And the program also allocates uh, scholarships to LGBTI activists from Africa. Wow. And the program also has a very multilateral um, component. So we uh, try to be very active in the UN and also the African Union together with the African states um, and to assist other LGBTI organizations to access these institutions. So it's not us, but we help them how to access, where do you mail, where do you go, on what door do you knock. Um, yeah, so there's a lot going on uh, in that sense. And I, my list is much longer, but uh, we also collaborate here with the South African uh, government, with DECO, the Department of International Relations and Cooperation, uh, to promote the role of young women peace builders, under the framework of the relevant UN resolutions. So there's a lot going on. Yes. And still a lot to be done. Uh, but we're happy to to contribute and to share our experiences. Ambassador, that is quite a list. And also in what you were saying, I pick up there's still those elements of co-creation coming through, of yep. partnership, collaboration, working together, feeding into networks. Um, so well done on the work that you do and long may it continue. We certainly would try to, uh, because it, it, it's a drive that the Netherlands has worldwide and, and to support the organizations that are already here, that are sometimes struggling to give them moral support, sometimes financial uh, and, and facilitate their access to international multilateral organizations as well. Yeah. So as a country, you do an incredible amount to support women in other countries. What progress would you say that the Netherlands has made in achieving gender equality within diplomatic missions and its representation abroad? Well, I mean, we still have a way to go. I mean, you might think that, I mean, I also usually they think the Netherlands is there, that we are fully equal 
And that's not the case. I mean, I think foreign affairs, we stand at 35% being female ambassadors. We try to to heighten that, but it, it, it's difficult for women to to have their family following them. There's a lot of challenges going in there, but and to support each other. I remember some time ago that female ambassadors that we were invited and that we came together the, the evening before we started with this annual ambassadors conference as female ambassadors. So it's about tactics. So when the minister asks something, then usually a man stands up and they think, okay, and then another man. And then usually we put up a finger and then they don't see us. And, and right now we have to support each other. And when one of our colleagues says something, a female colleague, they, as Maria said, I mean, so we reinforce what we think is important and we really have to support each other. So you see in the Netherlands, we still need to do that as well. Um, and also the lesson learned that we right now know, I mean, to strive for equal rights, but also to convince the men to step up, to let us in, to see the importance of having women at the table and that we can play our role as good as they do. Um, but they have to let us. Mm. So in the Netherlands, is something that, that continues to be, um, we are still waiting for a female uh, prime minister. I had a female minister right now for foreign affairs, but we have elections coming up this week. So let's wait and see what comes out of that. But uh, it's something to, to follow through. And I think South Africa is a very good example. I mean, you have very strong female leaders, female uh, ministers in your parliament. Um, and that's, that's not the case in the Netherlands, right? It's not yet 50-50. It's coming there. I mean, we're trying, but we also have to reinforce because then they retire or then something else coming to you really have to focus all the time because it's not automatically granted. True. If you if you don't keep at it, those gains will be lost. But I must yeah. say, I think that from a South African point of view, that the reason that we do so well in terms of female representation on government is really because of the ANC and the mm-hmm. fact that they have what they describe as their zebra policy of 50-50. And with it being mm-hmm. the leading party, that that mm-hmm. has really demonstrated a throughput of women into different positions. Um, and I know that not every party is is like that, but it's definitely helped drive the, the gender agenda yeah. through politically. Um, mm-hmm. I wish we would see that same picture in the, the business landscape, which sits yeah. at about 25% in terms of uh, females in, in executive leadership. Yeah. And that's same it. in the they'll try to. That, that's, that part also needs attention. And do you take a target or do you make it compulsory? Or that, that's a big discussion as well. Yep. And then in that, you still have where, where some women will say, and I, I understand that, I, you know, I don't want to be part of a, a, a tokenism and part of a, of a quota no. to have this position. And it would be great if the world all operated on meritocracy, but we know that that's not a reality. So if I could ask you, if there is one thing that you could change or shift to advance gender equality, what would that be? Very important um, that women support each other, that we really lift up. So also for me within the embassy um, to give them an extra push Um, as long as it's not equal. To, to say, okay, what, what makes you, uh, prevents you to go the next step? What do you need f- from me or from the organization? 
So that that attention uh, there, um, I think what very important that empowerment of equal pay, the pay gap, no, to to really address that because doing the work even more and then getting paid less, it, it's not fair at all. And I think right now that's accepted more and more in the Netherlands, the share that the men play in the household, the, the, the taking care of the kids as well. Um, and and that, that's a natural role, that he can make a career and at the same time also play his role as a father uh, in, in the family. Uh, and that that's something right now in the it's it's very difficult to to get it across because they think it's it's my career will go if I work part time. But right now there's more and more in place to to play that role for a parent who wants to follow up with his career but also wants to play a part in the in in the upbringing uh, of the children. Because I I remember that I had a lot of. Like in, in Korea, I had to also to talk about how is it possible a female ambassador and you are married and you have children? How do you do that? You have to find an equal partner who takes its share. Uh, and then they love to, yeah, we don't have that in Korea. So, well, you just look for them or you teach them how to do that. But I, I think in the essence, it's very important to have an equal partner that gives you the space to grow, equal pay, equal access to education, um, from the outset to have the equal rights. I think that's so important. So pushing through on, on equality of gender yeah. equality across the board and for um, men to take on a more active role when we think about child rearing and shared responsibilities. I think those are, are really important points. And can you tell us about a few remarkable Dutch women who've been, who have been, or are pioneers in their respective fields? Well, if if you look in, uh, I mean, being a female in the Netherlands, I, I remember that Aletta Jacobs. That's a very important name in the Netherlands. She was, I think, in the late nineteenth century, and she really strived very hard. She wanted to go in politics, and it was not possible for women to vote. So she struggled and she really got the drive to finally, I think in 1919, we had equal, uh, that men and women could vote and be part of a political party. Uh, she struggled hard for, because it was so important for us to, to be able to vote and to to register, but also to be a candidate. Um, and that started so early 20th century. And Aleta Jacobs was a very important one. And I think there was another one, Margot Klompe. I think she was the first female uh, minister. Was also an important figure. So those, they struggled hard. They had a tough times, but they, by banging on doors, by trading, they pushed hard and they, they managed to get the legislation and all that across where we can still have the, the fruits. We, we still have the, the advantages of that struggle. And we have to show that it's worthwhile what they strived for. And for you personally, who've been some of the strong women in your life? Um, well, I think I come to my mom, <laughs> like many women. I mean, if you have a strong example in your neighborhoods, um, my mother, my parents were divorced. She took us. Uh, I was born in Canada with my sister. She came back to the Netherlands having two small kids, two and one year old. She didn't want to, she had her education so that, I mean, she always stressed that education, education, education. So you can take your own independent decisions. Uh, and she decided to go on with us. 
without a Farla and, and to work and to make things work. And at that time in the 60s, it was not easy in the Netherlands. I mean, because they expected to have a complete family. Uh, she was a, very, a young mom. Uh, so sometimes they thought we were three sisters. To have that drive, to go for it, uh, um, get your education, uh, make your choice. Um, it, it should be your choice. You don't have to follow the first man or woman. It's your choice. There's, right now is a world open, uh, but make it independently. You, it's your choice. You have your education. Um, you have your career. Um, yeah, those, those values were very important to her. And that, uh, for me, that's a great example. She sounds like she was incredibly assertive and absolutely, as you're saying, there must have been tremendous challenges that she faced from mm -hmm. moving to a different country, having one yeah. income, two small children and finding mm -hmm. her way. Yeah, she did. And it, it grew, I mean, because, I mean, the school holidays were very long. So what do you with children? So you... You sent them to their grandparents, you sent them to aunts, you sent them. So it also made us to, so we were two weeks there, two weeks there. So it makes us also, I think, like independent, me and my yes. sister. So traveling around, making home wherever you are. Also appreciating when you're in your own home again. But uh, yeah, it started young in that sense. Staying with the personal narrative, one of the questions that I ask all my guests is about some of the factors that they feel have contributed towards their success. People talk about focus, discipline, faith. In your view, what would you say have been some of the key points for you for success? At a certain moment to, to acknowledge that you, because you think, okay, let me just do the things that I like and to to acknowledge that it would be great to become ambassador, but uh, can I do that? Can I be really do that? No, it's not good, not for me. And then to to have somebody say, well, why don't you try? I mean, and 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 to to have this self insight or to do that, somebody who coaches you is okay. Just let it go. I mean, just go for it. And then to see that it works. Uh, so believe in yourself and also stay with yourself. What you. Uh, I remember for foreign affairs, okay, you have to go in security matters, NATO and all those, then you can make a career. I have not, I mean, at that time, okay, now I'm a little bit more involved, but at that time, I mean, that was, but environment, yes, that was my thing, energy, sustainable energy. And then if you do things that you really are interested, you will bloom, you will show, you will connect, you will, so that's go for the things that you really think you can play a role. That's also my lesson. And then you will show what you have. And if people appreciate it, then they will let you grow further and have the right people around you who, who inspire you and who coach how that helps you to assist you or to give you confidence. I think that's a little bit the lesson that will go. Just go for it and believe in yourself. In terms of the objectives that you want to achieve during your time in South Africa, I know it's early days. It's the start of, of a four-year stay. Mm -hmm. What are some of those objectives? For me right now is to, what I said, I mean, you're four years in a country to try to, to understand what connects us, to contribute indeed to the challenges that, that are here, uh, to see what kind of role the Netherlands can play in assisting uh, in that sense. And it's yeah, to see all these, these society, uh, these women groups, these human rights defenders and 
these NGOs struggling or sometimes flourishing to see how we can assist those because I think that will help the country as well, this democracy to to be strong. Uh, people have need to believe in something to go forward. If they say, oh, I don't care, I don't believe, it's it's no, it's it's important to give a focus and if we can help in that sense to support those organizations who, who take that forward, who who share knowledge, with, especially right now with the youngsters about elections, about inspire to go and vote whoever you think i mean not to give tell them who to vote for no but your vote is important to to connect to this country to for your future but also you can hold people accountable what they promise you to to learn the lessons about the constitution it's such a strong instrument here and you have very strong institutions here so to play a role in that sense uh, i hope i can contribute to that and especially of course for the women Lastly, as we close out our conversation today, can you share a few words of motivation or inspiration that you'd like to pass on to girls and women who are listening to us? Um, Help each other, because sometimes women can be very competitive. So help each other, uh, lift the other one up, um, hold each other, because sometimes it's the only friend that you have in a difficult society or difficult surroundings. Uh, believe in yourself and try to to see that you can make your own debate. What do you need Go for an education? I mean, right now there's so many online possibilities to, to, to gather more knowledge so that you can take decisions that you really like to take yourself and that you have the knowledge to take those decisions. So educate yourself with the possibilities that are there. Uh, and help your children. Uh, teach them that education is so important for the future uh, and see what's possible there. Right now, there are a lot of challenges, but there are also a lot of innovations right now possible. Um, educate. That would be empower, inspire, help, assist. Yeah, <laughs> those words. Thank you for that great message and thank you for joining us today. You're very welcome. Thank you. We wish you every success in your role um, as you embark on on the next four-year journey. Thank you so much, Dr. Amalia. It was a pleasure talking with you. I hope to see you sometime live in person. Yes, (laughs) that would be good. You have been listening to Womanity, Woman and Unity, and we have been talking to Joanne Dornevard, who is the ambassador of the Kingdom of the Netherlands to South Africa.